Friends, let us pray. Silence in us, O God. Any voice but your own. And into that silence, we pray that your spirit would speak to us, each of us, all of us, about who you are and who we are and who you would have us to be. That by the hearing of your word, we might obey, and by obeying, we might seek to serve you with joy and delight for Christ's sake, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to the evangelist Luke, portions of the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. Let us hear God's word. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every so often, you want to end this is the word of the Lord with a question mark rather than a period. But nonetheless, here we are. So what is going on? Jesus sends 70 followers out. They are kind of the advanced scouts for his itinerant tour the small towns in the northern Galilee region. 
He knows that there are people in these little villages and towns hungry for the good news he has to offer. There is the harvest that's plentiful, Jesus says, but few laborers. So these 70 go out two by two to see what's going on and to report back to Jesus and his leadership team. He knows that despite the plenteous nature of the harvest, that the work will be difficult. Another metaphor he uses in this exchange is sending lambs out into the midst of wolves. He knows that in some places, in some homes, in some communities, his followers will be unwelcome. And not only unwelcome, they will be received with hostility. So he instructs them to travel lightly, don't take too much. Don't spend too much time if you're not welcome. Move quickly on to the next place. But if you're welcome, receive that hospitality. So they do all this. Imagine us going out two by two from this space today out into the community up and down East Avenue, knocking on doors, into restaurants, stores, what our experience might be. Is that your image of evangelism? Maybe that's why you don't like the concept of evangelism. Maybe it's why we Presbyterians even have difficulty saying the word evangelism. Does it make us feel uncomfortable? Is it distasteful? Even offensive to us? Is it against our type, God's frozen people, our temperament, our personality, that we would leave this place to do what Jesus tells his earlier followers to do. If we aren't to talk about politics, sex, or religion in polite company, how on earth could we go out into this town or the next town, knocking door to door? Who are we to impose our faith on anybody else? Is, is that your image? Or is this your image? I've just started cleaning out my office upstairs. It is a frightening proposition. Yesterday afternoon, I discovered a whole stack of printed materials on a shelf called Capital Campaign. Do you remember that? This brochure was actually from the Capital Campaign this congregation engaged in in the 1950s. The 1950s. The the chapel was built, the education was built. This space was totally renovated and changed into something that it looks kind of like now. I found this brochure, and the headline simply said, We've Outgrown Our Church Again. There was a time in American life where you could simply throw open the front doors of a church and people showed up. It was the cultural expectation, it was the social expectation, it was the expectation of public schools or at work. Now, of course, you had to have a good program to offer, but if you did, well, then you would be in absolutely good shape. Except, if you look at the larger membership trends of religious practice in American history, and especially our brand, what is 
sometimes called mainline Protestantism, you know that those 10 or 15 or 20 years were a blip on the graph. Everybody came back from World War II filled with optimism and hope and came to church. And then the blip became normalized again in what we now know as a declining pattern which simply may be a market adjustment. It might be more than that. At any rate, for us, Third Presbyterian Church, mainline congregations, grew like crazy. That was our form of evangelism. Open the doors, and people will come. So do we go out two by two, or do we work really hard at extraordinary programming and hope people will show up? Well, you might guess that neither model is the model that will work with integrity for us moving forward. And at the same time, each model has much to teach us. From that first model, Jesus sending his followers out, we are called to engage the world, to engage people where they are, to move beyond these walls, not to expect people simply to show up, because of what we have to offer. That means for us to be emboldened in new ways, in ways that might stretch us beyond our comfort level. And if you are, in fact, uncomfortable with the language of the disciples, there are other ways to think about it. Share your story. Tell a neighbor or a coworker what faith has meant to you, what this place has meant to you, what this place does in the world. Now, in fact, in 2019, you might be met with hostility, and there's plenty of good reason for that. Anytime you read the headlines or scroll through your phone, there are religious stories that don't make any of us happy, wouldn't encourage any of us to invest in that product, whether about money or sex, or abuses of power and authority. Is this a proposition we are grateful to invite people into? Or you might be met with indifference. And there's good reason for that as well, I think. What difference can this life that means so much to us make to somebody who doesn't know about it, who hasn't experienced this faith? That's our opportunity to tell a compelling story, how faith, how God has changed your life, how faith can make a difference in the life of the world. Going out two by two, whether literally or figuratively or symbolically, to tell our story. Perhaps not in the language of the Gospels to scare Satan out of the people who are receiving you, but to share with them some vision of good news. And in fact, studies show that most people come to church by word of mouth. That's you. But there's also this other model, this post-World War II model, because we do in fact have to have something to offer people when they show up, which actually begins before they show up, Every time we have an exploring membership lunch, we learn that most people who come here for the first time 
have spent more than a little time on our website, our Facebook page, so they know us before they even walk in the door. And when they show up, they're greeted by ushers and greeters. I would encourage all of us to think of ourselves as ushers and greeters to make that visitor experience as rich as it can be, to feel welcomed, although not too welcomed. We're not making a sale. And then we offer worship that is engaging, which I think will continue to be less about style than what is authentic to this place and its personality that has integrity. And then we hope that people find a place that asks questions of faith, not a place that delivers answers with certitude. A place where people can find meaning and seek meaning and discover fellow travelers who are on a journey together. A place that makes a difference in the world. I remember now, almost 20 years ago, when I was beginning to discern what was next in my own vocational journey, that it had to be a place that took mission seriously. And you do. And that makes a difference in the world, but I think it makes a difference for all of us gathered here. So when we envision people coming to check us out, to connect with us as a community, remember that they are looking to make meaning in their own lives and to make a difference in the world. Now what we know, because we read study after study after study, is that things are simply going to look differently than they do now, than they have looked. But we also know because they're visitors who connect with us every Sunday morning, guests who check us out for the first time, that there are people interested in the conversation we're having, in the adventure we're embarking on. We know they're interested in the permeability of these walls between inside and outside, where the definition of mission and evangelism are the same, sharing good news in the world where outreach and inreach both seek to engage and build community. Now it's not mine to, dis to prescribe much as I'm headed out the door, but I do think it's true here and for many places like this one in other communities that our calling is to take the church beyond the confines of this beautiful place to where people are, to meet them where they are, to meet them as they are, and to be bold, to be bolder than we are often comfortable in being, to invite, to engage with authenticity, yes, but also perhaps to stretch ourselves just a little bit, and inside this place to be ready when they show up. It could be a simple thing like wearing a name tag, or a profound thing like re-envisioning how we share the faith in gatherings, in our programming, in our communicating. Growth might happen numerically, but growth might not happen numerically. You can't see this as an attempt to attract a larger market share. But I can promise you 
That growth will happen spiritually for you and for anyone you encounter. In August, I will mark the 30th year of my ordination to Presbyterian ministry. And my first call was to a little congregation on the north side of Chicago, a 75-member church called St. James Presbyterian Church. For the five years of my ministry there, I received a presbytery grant that allowed me to go from part-time to full-time. And the grant was written in such a way that it didn't talk about membership growth, but it talked about supporting the things that might lead to growth. And if we did those things, the money would continue. And we did those things. And the money continued, and growth in that little congregation was modest, but congregational life was strengthened. Our capacity to witness in the neighborhood was deepened. That's evangelism. Now the church eventually closed, but that story, those five years, that chapter, is worth remembering. And that's all that Jesus asks us to do. To stand in faithfulness on our watch. And to stretch ourselves to tell the story. Because it's a story worth telling. And because the harvest is plentiful and the the needs are great in our world. And our calling is to labor in those fields. Each of us, evangelists, Each of us, stewards of this story. Each of us, stewards of this good news. Amen.